Right, okay, welcome Thanks to uh, listening the to cafe. Podcast, recorded live at Gateway <laughs> Church Ashford. Looking at you can find out more about us on our website, okay. gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. I thought if we had it like this, it would feel a bit more informal and it wouldn't be so daunting, but maybe I was wrong. <laughs> okay, so in 1966, a 22-year-old young woman from London, England, stepped off a boat in Hong Kong. With less than £10 in her purse. She didn't know it, but she was about to make history. As a child, Jackie Pullinger had sensed God calling her to mission work. A real missionary, you know, one with a bun and a long skirt, had been to talk to the children in Sunday school and had finished with saying, Could God be calling you to the mission field? And the five year old Jackie knew quite clearly that that was what God wanted for her. In fact, wouldn't he want that for everyone? Not that sure what the mission field was. She didn't even know Jesus as her saviour then. After school, she went to London's Royal School of Music. She studied oboe and piano. And during her time there, she met up with friends who took her along to a Bible study and prayer meeting. And there she met with Jesus. And the old conviction to go and serve God as a missionary returned. So when she graduated, that was what she set out to do. She started to write to missionary societies, asking them if they would accept her. Their replies were either that she was too young or too inexperienced. One suggested that she write back again when she was 25. Jackie's reply to that was, I'm afraid Jesus will have come back by then. (laughs) But God kept saying to her, go. Jackie heard from him in various ways, but the message was always the same. Go. Trust me. I will lead you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you shall go. And I will guide you with my eye. Many friends and acquaintances discouraged her aspirations for missionary work. But one, a vicar, gave her some counsel which changed her life. He advised her to buy a boat ticket for the longest journey that she could find, to pray and trust the Lord to show her where to get off the boat. So, leaving behind her parents, her twin sister, her friends, Jackie put her faith in God. She bought the cheapest one-way ticket she could find on a ship sailing the longest route and passing through the most countries on its way. It was from, Ch- from France to Japan. When the boat came to Hong Kong, to the Hong Kong harbour, she was filled with peace as she recognised this was the place that God had chosen. There we go, there's a map of China to show you whereabouts in the world she went to, and Hong Kong's right down in the south there. Made up of a number of islands and and the new territories in the north. Knowing no one in Hong Kong and having nowhere to live and no return ticket and less than £10 in her purse, Jackie was almost turned back at immigration. But God made a way when she was able to say at a last-minute thought came into her head that her mother's godson was a policeman in Hong Kong. She found out that apparently anyone knowing a policeman who ranked higher than the immigration officials was clearly going to be okay. Wikipedia tells us today that Hong Kong 
is an autonomous territory of China on the Pearl River estuary. It's the fourth most densely populated region of the world. It was a British colony from 1842 until 1997 and has become one of the most significant financial centres and trade ports in the world. The Hong Kong dollar is a popular and strong trading currency. Although the city boasts one of the highest per capita incomes in the world, it suffers significant, um, it suffers significant income inequality. But this, Hong Kong today, is not the Hong Kong that, Jackie, that God brought Jackie to. Jackie found work with a mission school as a music teacher in the notorious walled city of Kowloon. As she had no organisation behind her and no financial backing, Jackie always believed she should support herself, and so she taught for many years. The British had taken over Hong Kong many years before, but the walled area of Kowloon had been left under Chinese rule. When the government-appointed magistrate died, he was not replaced by the Chinese government. Criminal gangs, called triads, soon took over. (coughs) The Chinese name for the walled city was Haknan, meaning darkness. The city was right beside the airport. In 1966, at the time of Jackie's arrival in Hong Kong, the dark, narrow alleyways of the walled city were ruled by these brutal Chinese triads whose business was drug smuggling, prostitution, gambling dens and every kind of vice imaginable. Neither the British or Chinese authorities were able to govern the walled city. It was a lawless place, which the police avoided as much as possible. Those statistics just give a bit of an idea of what that means, how many people were crammed into such a small space. Describing her first visit to the city, Jackie later wrote, We squeezed through a narrow gap between the shops and started walking down a slime-covered passageway. I will never forget the smell and the darkness, a fetid smell of rotten foodstuffs, excrement, offal and general rubbish. Jackie soon found the walled city was one of the poorest places on earth. The city housed 50,000 people in huge multi-storey slums hastily thrown together, which kept the alleys beneath darkened even in daylight. Over the years, the rooms had piled up on top of one another to accommodate more and more people. It was now 14 storeys high. The only reason it stopped going up was the closeness of the planes coming into land at Hong Kong's Kai Tak Airport. Open sewers crisscrossed the alleys and huge rats ran freely. Many inhabitants survived in the bleak day-to-day misery of slave-like sweatshops, drug dealing and prostitution. Walking down any alley, you could find more than 100 people chasing the dragon, shooting up opium or heroin. Undaunted, Jackie was determined to bring the gospel to the walled city's inhabitants. 
I loved this dark place, she later wrote in her book, Chasing the Dragon. I hated what was happening in it, but I wanted to be nowhere else. It was almost as if I could already see another city in its place. And that city was ablaze with light. It was my dream. There was no more crying, no more death or pain. I had no idea how to bring about this, uh, bring this about, but with visionary zeal, imagined introducing the walled city people to the one who could change it all, Jesus. Immediately, Jackie faced opposition from both the triads and the established Hong Kong church, who felt that the triad members were beyond salvation. She struggled with the language and the apathy of both the local churches and the Hong Kong authorities. All over Hong Kong, the triads inspired terror, which made it easier to run their protection rackets. The walled city was the perfect place for them. They took full advantage of its uncertain sovereignty. Two main gangs were operating there, the Ging Yu, who controlled all the heroin dens, both the selling points and the smoking dens. They also ran protection rackets and controlled prostitution in the east of the city. But far more feared were the brothers of the 14K, who controlled all the opium dens, gambling, blue films, child brothels, illegal dog restaurants and protection rackets on the west side of the city. Jackie spent her time walking these streets till she knew every inch of the city, east and west. She says she never felt afraid. She knew she was there because she was where God wanted her to be. She loved these people as Jesus loved them. If she was there because God wanted her to be there, what was there to be frightened of? Jackie quickly learnt to say, Yay so Amy. I don't know if that's right, but that's my attempt at it. Which means Jesus loves you in Cantonese. And she would say that to those that she met as she walked the streets of the walled city. Although she soon realised that this meant nothing to these desperate, hopeless, pitiful people. They needed not to know that Jesus loved them, but to feel his love. She knew she had to show Jesus. Be Jesus to them. So she began by sharing her room, her food, her money, her time with people who most nice good folk would not want to go anywhere near. She befriended them, she helped them, she spent time with them, she fed them, she prayed for them and she learned their language and ways. She started a youth club to reach out to young men whose only future lay with the triads. Most of these young men were addicted to heroin or opium, and they had been from a very young age. Their education had been very limited. They had little support from their families and had learnt to survive this harsh place by being part of the gang culture, which brought them acceptance, position and friends. (coughs) Jackie faced many discouragements and setbacks. For some time, the youths rejected all of her attempts at sharing the gospel, exiting the club with loud catcalls whenever she prayed. Some of the boys destroyed the club and the games equipment that Jackie had purchased for their youths, smearing the walls with sewage from the alleyways. They had a view that, coming from the West, Jackie had money, wealth from England supporting her, and there was plenty of it. There was no respect for help being sent to them. 
But of course, in this case, that was not so. It was Jackie's own money, earned by teaching that she used to run the club, to feed and help the people she had come to know. She didn't give up, however, eventually earning the respect of both the triad leaders who recognised that she was in the walled city to stay, and after many years, the respect of the Hong Kong authorities who recognised the difference her work and influence had made. The Hong Kong government even began to pay her a wage, making it possible for her to focus on full-time missionary work within the city. Jackie tells amazing stories of lives changed throughout her book. A triad boss called Gokko, leader of the 14K, quite unsolicited by Jackie, sent guards, guards to protect the youth club from further vandalism. She eventually got to meet him and asked him why. He replied he wanted her to help his brothers get off drugs. Jackie refused, saying she would only help them to follow Jesus and to reject both narcotics and organised crime. Amazingly, this powerful gang leader continued to support her and renounced all claim on the boys who became Christians, something that was unheard of, because once a gang member, always a gang, gang member, or face death. Fifteen years later, Gokko, the triad leader, also came to Jesus and through praying in the spirit was released from his addictions. In her books, Jackie tells how the real breakthrough in reaching these addicted people for Jesus came after a Chinese couple counselled her and laid hands on her and prayed for her to be filled with the Spirit and encouraged her to start praying in tongues. After an initial scepticism, she allowed God's Spirit to be released in her and began praying for 15 minutes every day in the spiritual language that God gave her. Things began to happen. People responded to her invitation to follow Christ. Because she was praying in the Spirit, God was able to lead her to the people that he'd prepared and had got ready. One triad brother who had made several attempts to come off drugs decided to trust Jesus. As she prayed for him, he was immediately delivered from his addiction and healed. This pattern began to occur frequently with long-term addicts surrendering to Jesus and being set free from their former addictions without any pain or trauma. No cold turkey experience for them. As long as people were praying with them, and they too were praying in tongues, they experienced freedom from their addictions. Jackie wanted the boys she met to come to church, but the regular churchgoers found it hard to accept these addicts and the criminals, and that criminals like them could really change. It caused friction. Jackie wanted them to be included. She didn't want to be accused of doing things her own way and thought the boys needed good role models. Once again, she sought the counsel of an older Christian missionary who said to her, These boys are just like tender seedlings, just beginning to grow. They're not ready to be planted out. They need tender care and nurture and to learn and to grow on. So she started clubs and then houses and finally took over an old army camp where the young men could come, where they could be freed from their addictions, where they could be taught about Jesus, where they learned about living as a Christian and where they were allowed to grow, where they learned to live in a family and where they were taught to work and then sent out to employment and so prepared for a new life beyond the walled city. 
Jackie found that her most successful co-workers were those who had been converted through her ministry, able to pray, encourage and teach their brothers themselves. In the first ten days of an addict's time with them, they were never left alone. Christians, many of them former addicts, sat and prayed with them and and for them whenever they felt the effects of withdrawal from the opium or heroin, taking four-hour shifts for each one. When you think that her centre now has about 200 people at a time living with them, that's quite some undertaking. Jackie says, It's easy to evangelise to the poor. They know they have nothing. They know they are desperate. They want a different life. So when they are introduced to Jesus, they are ready to accept him. Praying in a spiritual language, too, has no difficulties for them. But then they need years of training, teaching and loving to grow up in their new faith. Just as as it is easy to bring new babies into the world, on one hand, the next 20 years is where the hard work comes in in the training and the teaching and the bringing them up. So her work has necessarily been long-term parenting to men and women of all ages. Since those early days, Jackie Pullinger has continued to focus on evangelism and drug rehabilitation. In 1981, she established St Stephen's Society in Hong Kong, continuing her work to reach those bound by addictions and leading them to Jesus seeing them freed and restored to new life. And this work is now spreading across the poorest countries of Asia. Gradually, things began to improve for the people of the walled city. Officials and police began to intervene more, and responsibility was taken for improving the conditions and lives of of its inhabitants. In 1988, Jackie was awarded the MBE by Her Majesty the Queen. Apparently the Queen asked her, are there many drug addicts in Hong Kong? To which Jackie replied, not as many as there used to be. (laughs) She's worked as a single lady out there for all those years. And people would often come and say to her, isn't it a shame you haven't got a husband? Isn't it a shame you haven't got somebody in your life? And Jackie always felt, but I have, I've got Jesus. And if that's not God's plan for me, then that's fine. But she did get married to John Toe, a former addict, in 1992. His health wasn't good and he died from cancer in 1999, so it wasn't a very long marriage. In the early 90s, the walled city was cleared. The residents were paid compensation, but some were still reluctant to leave and had to be forcefully evicted. The area is now a park, a pleasant oasis in the busy metropolis. Jackie Pullinger, a woman whose faith led her into a lawless and dangerous urban jungle on the other side of the world, continues her ministry to those affected by addictions and poverty, both in Hong Kong and many other parts of Asia. Now in her 70s, her life is a living testimony to the faithfulness of God, bearing witness that God works through those who give their lives to him, putting him first and so able to love others as he first loved us. A memorial to the work carried out by Jackie in that place can be found there too. I have been so challenged in rereading Jackie's story and researching her work. 
What a great woman of faith. Such love for her saviour and love for others. In fact, for the truly unlovely. I would encourage you to find out more for yourself the full story of Jackie Pullinger and how God has used her to bring transformation to so many by being Jesus in the midst of such dreadful circumstances. Here are a few book titles to look out for. Chasing the Dragon, Cracking the Wall, City of Darkness, and Jackie Pullinger Miracles Miracles in Hong Kong's Walled City. There's a DVD, The Law of Love. Or go onto YouTube, there's lots of interviews. I've been really spoilt in researching for her. I think for some of the people who, um, for some of the other heroes of faith, must have been a lot harder where there's not so much um, written down and, and noted but there's loads and there's loads of um, loads of interviews on YouTube and they're really challenging she's such a strong and powerful woman in, clear in her mind and her love for the Lord and um, it's just great to hear her speak so do, do have a look see what you can find but I cannot just leave it there While I've been thinking about this talk and preparing over the last few weeks, there have been headlines in the papers like this one in the Times. 30,000 children in gangs. Criminals exploiting the young as police struggle to contain spiralling street violence. And where's this? Not Hong Kong. Not America. That's here in London. In fact, not just London, all over the UK. We need to be aware that children, sometimes those very near to us, have broken down families, disrupted education. They're looking for acceptance and love, but are being groomed, taken in and adopted into a modern, modern day gang culture. Their bodies are abused. Their minds filled with all manner of promises and drugs used to stop their pain. For many, addictions start in childhood and lead to a life of misery and brokenness. There is such a great need today for people of faith to step out, as Jackie Pullinger did, to love the unlovely, to reach out to those in need and to be Jesus in our communities. These are two Christian organisations that I'd just like to flag up who do an amazing work with adults with addictions. They take them in. They love them. They nurture them, being Jesus to them and freeing them of their addictions. I think Debbie can testify to that. Whether it's drugs, not personally, I mean, well, (laughs) quite. (laughs) Whether it's drugs or alcohol, and helping them to establish once again relationships with others, restoring them to their families and getting them back into work and finding a place in their communities. But most importantly, leading them to Jesus. Again, I would encourage you to look them up, find out more of what they do, support them and pray for them. In listening to some of the interviews um, that Jackie has given, this is one of the verses that she quoted. 
Galatians 5 verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If you feel God calling you to serve him in some way, whether it be here in Ashford, further afield or abroad, here's some other advice from Jackie, who would actually say we're all called to serve, to share the gospel and to love others. God's calling. No God's calling. Test it against scripture. Jackie had heard God speaking through various Bible verses. Seek counsel from older, wiser Christians. Remember the vicar in England and the boat ticket? The ones who'd said, pray, you've got to nurture these boys, they're seedlings. Pray. Don't need to add any more to that. Get involved where you are. Don't just think, I think God's calling me to something and be wondering what it is or waiting for that something. Get involved now. Practice. Start sharing your faith with people. And obey. God is calling you. You need to go. Also, have a knowledge of God. We need to know about our salvation. We need to know what that means. We need to know what that costs Jesus. We need to understand that. We need to know about how much we've been forgiven, what we've been forgiven and released from. And we need to have an understanding of God's love for us and his depth of his love. And we need faith. A glimpse of heaven. As Jackie said, when she walked those streets of the walled city, she didn't see that dark, desperate, dirty, filthy place. She saw a glimpse of what it could be, what those people could become when they knew Jesus. And we need to have an understanding of what is to come. We need to know what there is ahead of us, what God has in store for us. We need to ask to be able to see others as God sees them and to see what God wants them to become. And we hear a lot about ministry. It's a word that gets used a lot in church. But there's a lovely, simple explanation. It's a journey. It's a journey that we're on and we're telling people along the way about Jesus. So... And that's certainly been Jackie's life. Destination. Know where you are going. When people say to Jackie, Hong Kong must be your home now, her reply is, no, Hong Kong's not my home. It's a horrible place. I love the people, but it's crowded, busy, noisy. I might have been here for 50 years, but it's not my home. I've just stopped off here along the way. My home is yet to come. My home is heaven. Know where you're going. And a final quote from Jackie. God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many people, so many of us, with me, is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. Thank you.